All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Pastor Eli James here. This is Voice of Christian Israel. Today is February 13, 2022, and uh, our usual co-host again is Pastor David Martins from South Africa. I'm going to have uh, Pastor Martins narrate today, uh, read, read the uh, uh, text that we have, which I'm not sure the people in the chat room can open it up or not. I don't believe so. So we'll continue uh, with this document uh, by Willie Martin about Cedar Van Rensburg. And I'm just going to quickly uh, read uh, part of the introduction here. Uh, During Nicholas Van Rensburg's lifetime, many of his visions were fulfilled, like the Second Boer War, and after that, the Union of South Africa. Many of his visions have yet to be fulfilled, while others have already been fulfilled during the last decade or two. Some examples are the disintegration of Russia, which would coincide with major reforms in South Africa, and Afrikaner dissension. That's very interesting. What, the, what kind of dissension could that be? I hope with the publication of his book, or this book, 70 years after Nicholas Van Rensburg's passing away, to reintroduce him to his people as the man of God, the prophet, and true patriot, the writing of this book, Voice of a Prophet, like none other, has given me days of joy. And this is signed by Adrian Snyman, S-N-Y-M-A-N, September 1995. So, a question for you, uh, Pastor Martins. Uh, are you familiar with Mr. Snyman? Uh, have you had any dealings with him at all? Hello? Okay, I was just talking with... Pastor yes, Mark. Pastor, can yeah, you hear me? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good day, Pastor Elaine. Also, yeah. good day to all the listeners across the globe. Uh, sorry, I just had my microphone muted, and uh, because I was waiting the um, uh, introductory um, music, and oh, uh, uh, that is usually loud, so yeah. uh, I. <laughs> right. I turned things down on my side, and uh, lo and behold, I forgot to turn my microphone back on. Right. Yes, Pastor, good. Um, I, um, I've had an, an, a brief encounter with uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Snyman uh, about three and a half, uh, perhaps three and a half, four years ago. Okay. Uh, in fact, when we lived in the town of Oudswuren, um he was residing, or he is residing not very far from where we used to live, just outside of the town called Lady Smith. Now, South Africa has two towns called Lady Smith. The one is huh. in Natal, just outside or uh, on the way to Harry Smith. You will be able to recall that uh, when we went to um, the Blood River, we actually traveled uh, through Newcastle. Now, Newcastle is not very far from Lady Smith. Uh, just short of Ladysmith, we turned out to Utrecht in northern Natal from Utrecht, of course, to uh, we took a course to Dundee uh, to get right. to the Blood River terrain. Okay, now Ladysmith in the Cape is also a small town nestled against a, a mountain range, I think it's called the Rooiberg or the Red Mountains. A beautiful countryside, um, very uh, down-to-earth, um, uh, very uh, very pioneer-like 
town and uh, uh, I called him uh, to make an appointment with him to uh, just to brief him on the two separate white or the two separate and remote uh, white races that came to the Cape, uh, namely the Cape Dutch Afrikaners, whom of course were the um, employees of uh, um, the Dutch East Indian Company. Mm -hmm. And then of course the second group of people that uh, came to the Cape, or the se second group of white people, the white race that came to the Cape was the people that eventually were labeled the Boers because they were deemed to be unfit for anything else but to do some husbandry or uh, cultivation of pastures. So um, uh, Adrian Steyman made a, wrote a book, he, he runs a publication house called Fandel Uitgevers or Ensign, that's the English word for a fondle, ensign uh, publications. And unfortunately, even though Adrian Steyman, um, I have been, uh, that had been communicated with me on numerous occasions, is that Adrian Steyman is also in the truth, or as you would call it, in the identity. Okay. And uh, however, he has very little uh, knowledge about the difference of the two white races that came to the Cape. In fact, he talks about them uh, uh, either as Boers or Afrikaners. It is as if it doesn't care the, the, the terminology that he uses, as if both these term, terms are or can be applied to the same group of people that are actually not identified by him, but, right. but the, as as long as they white and they speak Afrikaans, they can be Boers and or Afrikaans. Right. Okay. Oh, it's just like Jews can be Israelites, eh? <laughs> exactly, Pastor. Yeah, right? Now, I made okay. an appointment with him. It's a hanging appointment. I haven't been able to uh, actually visit him as yet, but to, to go and brief him on the different differences of these two races. Now, in 1914, we've, what we've spoken about before on a previous uh, show is that in 1914, there was a massive rebellion against Jan Smuts and Louis Boeta. We've spoken about those two. Right. Jan Smuts being an Edomite Jew that came to the, or his uh, ancestors came to the Cape, but he was raised a, uh, a Dutch Reformed. He did go to the uh, Queen's College, which is the Stellenbosch University today, to go and study to become a Dutch Reformed minister. Uh -huh. Now, it's not, it is not uncommon for the descendants of the Dutch East Indian Company uh, to become Dutch Reformed ministers. We know that by, by the token that we have discussed the Edomite Jews Hofmeyer Mm -hmm. On numerous occasions, we've we've actually discussed how they orchestrated and uh, planned, and even uh, had made covenants or conspiracies with the Rothschilds to uh, accumulate 
a mercenary military might against the Boers. Right. And that was, first of all, the First Anglo-Boer War and then also the Second Anglo-Boer War. But the interesting thing is that Adrian Sneijman wrote a book about the rebellion and he called it the Afrikaner Rebellion. Now, the rebellion was by the Boers and they were rebelling against the Afrikaners. Right. Okay. So, yeah. So as as we can see that um, uh, he has it all wrong, but um, yeah. nonetheless, the important thing that I wanted to say here is that uh, uh, Adrian Sneijman accepted my call and we had a uh, um, a good discussion. I did tell him why I wanted to come and see him, but um, I've never been able to actually go and around, go around and see him at all. Okay. Um, Pastor, you won't believe me. Uh, in my in my exercise to look for that book so that I can open it on my side, I have misplaced it. Can you believe it? Oh, okay. Well, actually, now, uh, Brother Abe put a link in the chat room, which is uh, uh, a, a, an internet link. So, if you want, we can go there, and I can try to send you that. But in the meantime, why don't you just begin? Oh, uh, uh, do you have the document in front of you or no? Uh, Pastor, I'm going to have it in front of me in a moment. And okay. there it is. Okay, very good. Uh, ready to open it. I'm ready to open it, and <laughs> it opens in my um, Adobe Reader. Okay. in Willie Martin Archive. I've got that right in front of me. Okay. Uh, where did we get to? Which page, Pastor? Well, I think we ended only with the uh, the, the brief introduction. I think it was. Oh the, yes, of course, uh, yeah. because last weekend, well, last Sunday's. Um, Discussion I hijacked, if you can recall. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. As I so often do. Pastor hijack. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, yeah, go ahead and pick it up because uh, uh, my, my sound issues have that had gone away. So I'll, I'll just turn it over to you. Excellent. Okay. Uh, well, what I wanted to say is that um, uh, let's start from the beginning, and we have most of it um, running in, in sequence at least. Yes. Um, as this uh, writer, Woody Martin, stated, it has been a privilege to translate this very important book, a book with a clear message from the prophet of the Almighty Yahweh to his people, not only present in the southern point of Africa, but also to the Western world, which is an absolute truth. Wherever the house of Jacob resides, this message is from, for them. If one reads these visions of the seer Nicholas van Rensburg, one finds the hand of the Almighty Yahweh always present, surely guiding his people towards their destiny according to his will through all the errors made by his stiff-necked people out <laughs> of own choice. Right. And boy, Pastor Eli, are these boys stiff-necked. Yeah. There are no, there are no more stick left than we Americans, <laughs> right? Pastor, but it's it's a, it's a particular trait of the house of Jacob. That's stiff right. Stiff-necked, mm -hmm. and also, to an extent, in certain in certain degrees and on certain levels, disobedient. Amen. But, but not as Esau was, because his parents he actually grieved his parents to go and 
get unto himself two Hittite or Canaanite women, right. and then also uh, Malat is his cousin um, as a descendant of Ishmael. But uh, Jacob did not grieve his parents. He actually overjoyed his parents by his choice of his one wife, and he got two for the price of one, right. actually for the price of two. <laughs> right. And he also ended up with getting two others for the right. price of two. So he actually got a bargain. And a whole lot of and, cattle <laughs> and goats but, and sheep. But what a, what a benefit, Pastor. Imagine if you had two mothers-in-law. So he only has one mother-in-law. Yeah, right. He had two wives. Exactly. So um, the time of this destiny is on the horizon. And like the sun at dawn, only a faint light is visible. But as the sun rises over and above the horizon, its light suddenly becomes bright and clear. So also will the time of this destiny suddenly appear. The brightness thereof will be such that it will consume their enemies like that of fire forever to be destroyed. And am I looking forward to that ah. particular day, Pastor? Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm practicing my flamethrower <laughs> switch as we speak. And Pastor, is it not close at hand oh yes i mean we can we can see all the signs all the and and it's only us in in um that that live the scriptures that search the scriptures that and and we give recognition to the prophecies yes because of the fact that we're giving recognition to the prophecies we can read the times and also the events to follow in this this dispensation, which of course nobody else can. That's right. Yeah, nobody else. Everybody else is waiting to be raptured. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh my pastor. Yep. Yes, I think it's about time we have another talk on the rapture. Yeah, right. Because. <laughs> All right. Please uh, continue. Uh, it, it, it is it is so, um, I, th I think, amongst the Boers, there are so many that are awaiting the rapture as an emergency exit from, from the vaccinations. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the door is locked. <laughs> the door is locked. Yes. There is no fire escape. No. That's right. Yeah. Very good. Jeremiah chapter 51, 20. Oh, um, I don't understand that language. Oh, uh, uh, oh it's, it's, it's not Afrikaans? That is definitely not Afrikaans. Oh, okay. Well, read the anguish. Uh, the, the anguish is right after it. Thou art my battle axe and weapons of war. For with thee will I break in pieces the nations in which uh, in with thee will I destroy kingdoms. After the great struggle has ended, may we then voice the following to the honor of our master. Why we got bled. I think that might be um, that might be uh, something like Swedish. Okay. I wonder if, if the, the writer perhaps intended to use Afrikaans and he <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Shall, shall, 
shall I read that in in English? Fifty one twenty. Oh, oh, it is there. Yeah. Thou art my battle axe and weapons of war. For with thee will I break in pieces the nations, and with thee will I destroy kingdoms. Yes. Yes. General information. The next paragraph. Purists will probably find much to criticize about the perusing this book, as the language therein is inclined to be rather archaic, which is true. Actually, I should also add that Sine von Rendsburg was a very down-to-earth man. In Afrikaans, we have a saying, when somebody is very down-to-earth, he's a, he, he's a wearer of a short pants or shorts. Okay. Be, be, because the people who, who deem to be more of a, an elitist amongst the Afrikaners, they wear the outfit of, of an office bearer or, or uh, right. lungs and, of course, a jacket and tie. But, yeah. Um, us Boers, we, we even when we get cold, we don't just wear one short; we be, wear two shorts. Right. <laughs> so, but, but that is a typical Boer saying. Right. If I'm cold, I go and put on another sh pair of shorts. Right. So, okay. Double insulated. And Sine <laughs> von Rendsburg was a very down-to-earth person. Very, he was very. He, he kept his family, his own uh, household, he kept them very close at hand, a very tight-knit, typical Boer family. Right. And um, also very, um, in many instances, also very naive. Sure. Because that's also a characteristic of Jacob. Amen. Uh, he also believed everybody, and he, uh, I mean, he even believed Laban. Right. And his father-in-law, I mean, his father-in-law-to-be, to trust his father-in-law to bring him the woman that he had worked for for seven years, non-stop. And then his, his fa intended father-in-law brings the elder sister in the night so that he couldn't recognize her. And imagine getting up in the morning or waking up in the morning after a bout of night activities with a new wife you, you've never seen or touched before. Right. And you realize it wasn't your intended wife you that you right. slept with. Welcome to Las Vegas. <laughs> Pastor, right. Yes. But but uh, if if you relate that now to the time that he lived in it, that was a very very despairing situation. I, I mean, Laban had tricked him into uh, having laid his elder daughter. Right. And then, of course, she, she must have been a virgin because, it, because he couldn't give her back. He couldn't give her a, a letter of... Uh, uh -huh. Divorcement. Uh, of divorce, a letter of divorce. He couldn't give it to her because... He must have taken a, a, a uh, virginity, and and that is the reason why Laban said to him, "Well, enjoy this week's feast. Enjoy the feast, and you can have Rachel as well." Yeah. So, in a matter of a week, uh, poor old Jacob had not just the two wives, but he had the concubines around in his tent as well. Right. 
of, of course, it, it only happened to become his uh, extra wives when Rachel demanded that she also wanted to have a child be born on her lap, mm -hmm. so to speak, and she demanded of Jacob to take, whom was it, Bella? Yes. Yeah, because Rachel and was barren. Rachel was barren. Rachel was barren. Yeah. And, of course, once that happened, then, of course, Leah said to Jacob, I also want to see and experience what my sister experienced. <laughs> take, take my concubine, yeah. my uh, servant, maidservant. Such so, jealousy among the women. <laughs> among sisters, boss. Right, among Even sisters. Yours. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's my kind of jealousy. <laughs> All right. However, however, rewriting it into modern English would change the whole character of Sia von Rensburg's story. Absolutely mm -hmm. true. As the reader will learn, Sia was a simple, humble man who had no formal education, being able only to read his Bible with great difficulty. The manner in which he describes his visions may initially seem seem confusing and sometimes may not even make sense to the average reader. However, as the story unfolds, the reader will become more familiar with its particular style. To facilitate understanding of the symbols which he used, a complete list will be found elsewhere in this book. The term Kaffirs has been retained wherever Sears describes the, his visions in which blacks are featured, because that was what they were called by the Arabian name for the black mm -hmm. uh, Negro. Yeah. The well, the the black Negroes. I, I believe Negro is also a forbidden word in the states. But right. here we see that that the writer retains that, and it's not intended to be a derogatory name at all or derogatory term, because when I was small, my mother, my late mother, often used to call me dearly. She Kaffir. used to call me a little kafirki. <laughs> okay. So, so it, she would not have used that term in a derogatory manner against me. Because, sure. I mean, she loved me to pieces. Also my dad. And so that particular term or name had been derogatorized by the people who bear that name. Right. So, should anyone feel offended by this, please understand that no offense is intended. But the term is in keeping with his style of expression and the period in which he lived. Absolutely true. All biblical quotations used in the text have been taken from the King James Version, except where specifically marked Good News Bible. Now, what I wanted to say is that uh, it is very clear that Sina von Rensburg used the Staten Bible because that was what was predominantly used. There were also, when Germans came to the Cape, the Germans mostly had Lutheran Bibles, uh -huh. which is quite interesting. There were also Mennonites that came to the Cape. I don't know what Bibles they brought with, but these these Bibles were mostly burnt, destroyed wow. huh. during 
during the um, okay. scorched earth policy that was demanded by the Afrikaners and that was then being executed by Lord um, Kitchener. Kitchener. Yeah. Yes. Okay, what was the name of that Bible? The Staten Bible? Staten Bible. That, that's the official Dutch state Bible. Oh, okay. This year often refers to shoes or boots in his visions. Please note that the shoes or boots generally worn in his day were known as felskuna, skin shoes. Literally skin shoes, many farmers of his day made their own shoes or boots from tanned ox or other hide. And um, although not as stylish as the factory product, were nonetheless sturdy, tough and hard wearing. The War of 1899 to 1902 is commonly referred to as the Anglo-Boer War. Just a correction here, the Second Anglo-Boer War, I see it does state it such. It is also known as the Boer War, Second Boer, Boer War, Second War of Liberation, or the uh, the so-called Frey, um, the, 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 um, uh, Krieg. Uh, it, it is uh, also called the, um, um, oh my. Oh, in German, it's Freiheit, free, Freedom War, Freiheit's Krieg. Yes, it, it was a war of freedom, uh, Freiheit's Oorlog, the Freedom War. Okay. But just as a matter of interest, and this is very important, Pastor. Now, making an announcement on this program tonight that I have not yet made before. Okay. In many of the books that were written by the British, the Canadians, the Australians, New Zealanders, and even Indians, the war was not called the Anglo-Boer War. But it was called the South African War. Okay. Because it was a war that was waged from South Africa against the Boers of South Africa. Yes. And very it's good. very important that we recognize that it is the Cape Dutch Afrikaners who called it the Anglo Boer War because they wanted the Boers to think that the uh, this this agitation or this uh, vindication of the British against the Boers was because of the fact that the British had lost the first Anglo-Boer War, which is not uh, is not the case. It, it was a matter that the British Crown, the British, um, the whole British Empire, was driven to the point of bankruptcy because of a uh, a conspiracy between. The two from the Cape, Onse Jan Hofmeyer, which was, of course, the Freemason Lodge Master, and Cecil John Rhodes. Now, we've spoken quite a bit of Cecil, about Cecil John Rhodes and Onse Jan Hofmeyer, but they went and conspired uh, against the Boers with the Rothschilds. And, of course, the Rothschilds were promised all the golden the diamonds that had then been uh, uh, discovered. Yes. So the Rothschilds had a particular interest in the gold and the diamonds and also all the other um, precious uh, uh, um, minerals that South Africa is so, that the Boer republics are so rich 
in 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 um, endowed with. Yes. Okay, so for the sake of conformity, the latter term is used throughout the mo most of the text, which is the second war of liberation for freedom. Aloes or aloe trees are often used throughout the text. However, the aloes referred to here are the agave, American owner uh, aloe or sisal plant, commonly called garenbome. Now, I don't know if, if people know what the garenbome looks like or sisal plant. Uh, it has very pointed and um, leaves. It's it's like a like a cacti. But it has long, elongated leaves with a bit of a hollow, and then the forward tip is seems like it's even poisonous. Okay. And that's called the Kharangbum. Cotton trees uh, in Afrikaans. Okay. Michael Fulun and, and Ju uh, Julie van Rensburg, 28th of June, 1998. I. That's most probably the date that he had written this, as it was a, in discussion with Michael Fulun and Julie van Rensburg. Let us go to the seer. About five o'clock one autumn morning, I was sitting on my cane chair, reading 1 Samuel 9. Saul and his servant were looking for his father's asses that had been lost. They found nothing. And when Saul wanted to go back, his servant advised him that they should consult a man of Yahweh. He said the following to Saul, Behold now, there is in this city a man of Yahweh, and he is an honorable man. All that he saith cometh surely to pass. Now let us go thither to the seer. Peradventure he can show us our way that we should go. Something happened to me at that moment. A shudder went through me. A light flashed through my head, and, and as I stood up, I spoke about my, aloud to myself. Have we not had our man of, of God and seer? Vague memories came to mind, and for a fleeting moment, I saw myself in the countryside at Lichtenburg, where my father was busy telling me, my brothers and sisters, about seer von Rensburg, who, were, who always went to a hill behind his house during the day to read his Bible and pray. And there Yahweh spoke to him, I heard my father say. This was what I could remember. I then started searching, but like, just like Saul's asses, Seer von Rensburg was lost to me. Then one morning at a place called Ilofsdal in Pretoria, he appeared before me in the form of an old Mr. Prince, Paul Prinsloer, an 82-year-old disciple and a person who knew all about Sia van Rensburg, a man even at that age who had bright and clear eyes. And for the first time since my childhood, I heard the following words, Sia van Rensburg said, and from that time I met, uh, from that time on, I met various other people who knew about the Boer prophet and what he had said. Then information started coming to me like a flood. Now, I'm glad that this person actually states there the Boer prophet because right. he was a Boer. And in spite of the fact that the Cape Dutch Afrikaners have been attempting to hijack everything that the Boers had 
not just their two republics, but also their dignity and also their ancestry and also their heritage and their history and their battles and whatever the Boers won, the Cape Dutch Afrikaners with their Edomite um, ancestry are claiming to be that of the Afrikaners. Right. But let's go on. Yes. Today I know without a doubt we had our own seer. Preface. Prophet or bearer of an apocalypse during the last quarter of the previous century and the first quarter of this century no one was more well known in the Western Transvaal than Nicholas van Rensburg, the seer. He was a legend during his lifetime and not only did well-known generals of the Boer war like De La Rey and Kemp believe that he was a prophet but statesmen like General Herzog, Louis Butter and even Young Christian Smuts. Smuts. On more on one occasion witnessed even in Parliament that Nicholas van Rensburg's prophecies have come true during their lifetime. And the interesting thing is that uh, during the rebellion that Jan Smuts insisted that Sia van Rensburg be incarcerated because he had given prophecy information oratory information to the Boer generals and those generals that followed Seer von Rensburg's prophecies survived the rebellion wow. and also the pursuit of the Cape Dutch of the Boers. There is enough evidence which proves that Nicolaus von Rensburg was no charlatan. The only book he read was the Bible and they believed that his visions came directly from Yahweh and never did he practice occultism. He was a devout, or de devout Christian and never used his gifts of prophecy for personal gain or attempt to impress anyone. You see, if he was a Cape Dutch Afrikaner, he would have printed those prophecies and he would have sold them yeah. at every church bazaar. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but but none of that occurred he didn't ask for money he, he merely served these people he believed that you must live your life in honor to Yahweh and many Bible verses are found in his prophecies and to this day it has not yet been proven that his prophecies were false except those ignorant people who have attempted to inter interpret them in their own way aha uh -huh. Yeah. Which People often can... happens, Pastor. That's right. <laughs> and, I have often been misquoted. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Uh -huh. um, as a matter of fact, even Adrian Sneijman misquotes Sia van Rensburg's prophecies from time to time. Really? And I have reason to believe it's to gain popularism. Uh -huh. Popularity. You see, if, if, you, if you make money, out of, for example, C.F. von Reisberg's prophecies, you would want to create the same sort of thing that Christianity gives or Christianity does, and that is to make a new translation of the Bible every few years so that Germany can stand at the front on the pulpit and tell his congregation that the Bible that we used last Sunday is now outdated. We have a new ah, Bible. Right. Let's all go and buy from Christian Publishers uh, Company 
and we can all read out of the same Bible. Yeah, the New State Bible. New State Bible. And, exactly. Yes. Uh, even, I believe there is now a gay Bible. Uh, <laughs> uh, LBGT Bible, which is uh, as, as de-sexed the Almighty as, and as de-sexed the prophets, yeah. so that everybody is now LBGT. Adam and Steve, he created them, right? <laughs> no, it was Adam and Eve. Right. <laughs> okay, yeah. and that's another version. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I mean, it's uh, one of the the, the um, um, characteristics of the Edomites is that they want to peddle everything. I mean, they oh. become peddlers. That's right. Absolutely everything there is on the planet. They will Ooh. even peddle attempt to pedal sand to the Arabs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they need entertainment out there in the desert. Absolutely. <laughs> or, or selling ice to the Eskimos. There you go. In a, in a study called Bible History for Catechism, I don't know how to pronounce that word. Catechesis. Yeah, that's a, an unusual word, for, even for English. But catechisms. I think it's a misprint. It should be catechisms. The E should be an yes. M. Yes, but I think that particular word, um, what he refers to here, was something that was outside um, even C.F. von Rensburg's um, domain. Right. But he refers here, published in 1971 and edited by Professor J.I. DeVette. It would seem that Nicholas von Rensburg was a bearer of an apocalypse more than a, than being a prophet, which is absolutely true. Um, if one looks at the way in which C.F. von Rensburg also prophesied about the downfall of communism in Russia and the shape of the earth, or the shape of the world rather, not the earth, but the world, uh, leading up to the Third World War. He prophesied about the First World War, which he saw, and he also prophesied about the coming of the Second World War, and he prophesied that very accurately. And he also prophesied about the Third World War, and even portraying the information or the circumstances similar to what we are reading in the newspapers I will see on TV today. Yeah, it's called COVID. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Nicholas C. F. Rensburg, the Boer prophet, died in 1926. But today he is still considered to be one of the most remarkable personages in our history. Of course, he is a Boer. Yeah. And it is therefore surprising that there has been only one of hearted attempt 70 years after his death to publish his life story which of course is not true because his daughter also published she kept track of all his visions and these prophecies and she actually uh, accumulated those in a single uh, publication which was left or which was given to the uh, the the Leidenberg, the Leidenberg Museum, hmm. because the Leidenberg Museum was 
fairly remote and was most probably the only or the, the, the Boer heritage site that outlasted the attacks and the um, undermining of the Cape Dutch Afrikaners after the 1910 unification of the Boer Republics into this illegal union of South Africa. Very good. So, so and I have a copy of that one as well in Afrikaans. Uh-huh. And um, sometime we should actually go through this again and then I can compare with what we have in that particular version that was written by his daughter, that was kept by his daughter. Yes. Which is also of great value. From 1871, when he was only seven years old, until his death in 1926, he had more than 700 visions about his people in South Africa, other nations, as well as world affairs. Although many of his visions were remembered by word of mouth, it was only during the last 10 years of his life that, his, uh, that he asked his daughter, Anna, to write down his daily visions. And now the chapter heading, the books are lost. That sounds like when my children were still at school. <laughs> Early in the morning, Dad, my books are lost. Yes, yeah. The, the, two book, <laughs> <laughs> the two books which contained his visions, as written down by Anna, his daughter, were nowhere to be found during the early years of 1980. And even the remaining family did not know where they were. According to an article in a Sunday newspaper in 1981, these books disappeared after the death of his daughter, Anna Barnost, and could not be found. Perhaps they were now, still in this museum that you talked about? That's right. Okay. Now, after f- about 50 years, the books have again emerged, and when reading these visions, they have an astonishing parallel with the revelation of John. One realizes that the symbols and metaphors just may contain the key to those things we do not yet understand in our times. In about 700 visions, the history of Nicholas van Rensburg's people, the Afrikaner... Oh, okay. <laughs> There's the first big mistake. That's the first big mistake. Yeah. Because Nicholas van Rensburg actually despised the Afrikaners because he was incarcerated by, by the Afrikaners Union of South Africa. Yes. Okay. Even though he spoke about himself as an Afrikaner, because he was under pressure. Did you know that, Pastor? No, I Because didn't. anything, one must realize, after the unification of South Africa under this universalist Edomite union, there was such a tremendous brainwashing going on to make everybody believe that they are now part of this yeah. new Afrikaner nation. Yeah, and we are supposedly Gentiles, and the Jews are supposedly Israel. Exactly. Right. Same type of same type of brainwashing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, you can imagine the extent um, of of this brainwashing or this um, vilification of the Boers. Yes. In for for example, like I said uh, previously, that my grandparents. Um, you will find that many Boers uh, started speaking English 
because they were so in, intimidated by the Cape Dutch Afrikaners who had now taken control of the Boer Republics, they had taken control of the, um, the, the health services, they had taken control of the education of children, and the children were, uh, were vilified in the schools. Wow. The moment that they state that they were Boers, they would have, uh, for example, papers with the words, I am a Boer, kick me. <laughs> Uh, attached right. to the back of their coats or their shirts yeah. and every other child that came past would kick this child because he stated that he was a Boer or his father was a Boer so there was a tremendous um, brainwashing and a, a, a virtually a military like uh, uh, thumping down on everything that was Boer right. Boerish yeah. So many of the, the Boers sent their children to English schools. The English schools did not have this level of intimidation and victimization and uh -huh. vilification as the Cape Dutch Afrikaner schools did. Very interesting. Okay. Yes. Uh, he, he then says, uh, in about 700 visions, the history of Nicholas von Rensburg's people, the Boers, Yes, sketched over a period of 100 years, fitting together like pieces of a puzzle. One must only find the right piece at the right time to complete the picture, which is absolutely true. I mean, Sina von Rensburg even prophesied about a uh, um, Nelson Mandela's becoming of a president. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was unimaginable in those days, but yet he prophesied it. Right. Knowledge and interpretation of most of these visions were for years only known to certain people. But to date, many of Sears' closest friends could not interpret, interpret all Nicholas van Rensburg's visions. An attempt was made in a recent publications, but not only were these interpretations contrary to those given by Nicholas van Rensburg himself, but even contrary to the interpretation given by the people themselves, thereby causing a lot of damage. Just as there are visions and revelations by Daniel and other prophets of the Bible, which will only be understood when they are, are fulfilled, so it is with some of Nicholas von Rensburg's visions, so that any, everyone can know. When the publication of Voice of a Prophet, I am uh, sorry, with the publication of Voice of a Prophet, I am fulfilling the wish of Nicholas van Rensburg, namely that his visions should be known to all his people, in or made known to all his people. In 1916, he had a vision that towards the end of the century, his people will become more and more interested to know about his visions. He did actually say that he will again be in the news right? <laughs> and often in the news. And on Eurofolk and Radio. And here he is on Eurofolk Radio. Yeah, all right. In, in fact, Pastor Sia von Rensburg's uh, uh, visions and prophecies have even emerged in, I believe, in Russia. Okay. 
which uh, is very interesting. Yeah. Well, a lot um, of Boers migrated to Russia during the height of the uh, you know persecution of the Boer people. Oh, oh yes, Pastor. In, in fact, um, even during the uh, second Cape Dutch Afrikaner war against the Boers, uh -huh. there were many Russians that... Um, assisted or helped the Boers, especially in terms of ambulance people. They hmm. they came to Lorenzo Marx, which is today's Maputo, and they served the Boers from the right from the Eastern Front. Very good. Which which of course is excellent, and and many people don't know this. They were Americans that helped the Boers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even Canadian Canadians. Yeah. Americans, Canadians? Canadians. Yeah, but no Brits. Um, well, Pastor, there were uh, a few hundred British soldiers that were executed in Congala in Durban because they had joined the Boer forces, so they were seen as traitors wow. to Britain. And they were ex actually executed on the harbor uh, wharf prior to everybody else. Yeah. Heading on to the vessels to go back to England. Wow. Yeah. And people Very don't good. realize Very this. Interesting. Yeah. The, the Anglo Boer Wars were the Edomites' wars against the house of Jacob. Amen. As the first and second um, world wars were as well. It was the Edomites' wars. They orchestrated the wars against uh, or. Um, Forcing the one tribe of, uh, of the house of Jacob against the other tribes of the house of Jacob. That's yeah. well, what it uh, you have been the prophet to reveal all this, <laughs> right? Because most people, as uh, I, I believe falsely, that the Boers and the Afrikaners were exactly the same people, and you have been telling the world, no, that's not true. Absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely, Pastor. Um, in 1916, he had a vision that towards the end of the century, his people would become more and more interested to know about his visions. Absolutely true. At that time, he told a very good friend of his, Mr. Boy Mussman, who lived in Freiburg, the following. There will come a time when I will be much in the news again. That is what I said just mm -hmm. moments ago. That's right. <laughs> at, that, at that time, I saw that we as a nation were still arguing amongst one another. And then suddenly we have a black government. <laughs> no, no way. Absolutely no way. <laughs> Unimaginable. But yes. We saw that. Mm -hmm. Then only will the Afrikaners' most bitter struggle begin. He also said, I see a time when the whole world will be plowed under. Mm. This is the beginning of the Third World War and everything will be at in disorder yes. and confusion will reign. Yes. Now, that plowed under, also you must remember that being a Boer, he was also very well acquainted with agriculture. Sure. Now, whenever anything is plowed under is whatever was growing and whatever was an indication of life was plowed under. And that is exactly what we have been seeing in South Africa over the past 28 years where the ANC has plowed under everything that the Boers yes. have built up over the past 364 years. Yes, absolutely. The ANC has plowed under. Pastor, you won't believe some of the railway stations, even the bricks get carried away. 
<laughs> the railway tracks, the railway tracks, and the sleepers have long gone been carried away and sold as scrap metal. Yes, yeah. So uh, this South Africa is a giant scrapyard today. Absolutely. Um, in fact, a, a city like Cape Town is one of the world's largest exporters of copper, <laughs> and there's not a copper mine close to Cape Town. <laughs> right. And the reason for that is copper wire that is being stolen off communication cables, uh, electricity cables, out of houses, telephone lines, etc. Right. So it well, is a... I remember asking you, we were driving by a, a black village, and the lights were on in broad daylight. And I asked you, yes. why in the world are the lights on in broad daylight? And do you remember what you told me? Well, if they turn the power off, by the time they turn the power on at night, the cables will all have been stolen. But what right. they do, they even steal, nowadays they, they become so clever, they even steal these 33,000 volts cable uh, hanging from these massive, um, what do you call them, cable towers. Towers, yeah. They even steal those. While they're live? Even while they live, Pastor. Wow. Even while they are live. Yeah. I mean, there was a, a, um, a video of... That's a, dangerous. <laughs> uh, there was a video of a substation where the transformer was actually cut up on site. Hmm. And the station was alive, and all of a sudden power gone. People thought it was just the... Uh, SCOM again with their regular, very regular uh, uh, power uh, Outages. sharing. Uh, I call it power sharing because uh, to, today the one part of the, the city has power, the next day another part of the city has power because ESCOM has been unable to sustain a <laughs> reasonable level of reliability yeah. Yeah. In, in the provision of power. And I'm, I'm talking about mains power or, or um, yeah, electricity regulation. Yeah. yeah, well, we call that rolling blackouts. Rolling blackouts. Some, some towns have it, other towns don't. Yeah. Yeah. They have to share. Share and share like. Yeah, but, Pastor, if, if you consider, for example, that even new power stations, power stations that were supposed to have been erected 10, 12 years ago and commissioned 10 or 12 years ago are still uncommissioned <laughs> or partially commissioned and they are found to be irreparable because of redundancy. Yes. Okay. They haven't even, they haven't even the, the, the massive outlay to erect a power station, for example, that uh, um, initial budget was exceeded by something like 2,000% and still the power station did not deliver. Right. Amazing. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, there, there's simply a lack of will and probably also a lack of technical knowledge for blacks to actually run a power station and deliver the goods. They yeah, just yeah. are incapable of doing it. Okay. Well, the Despite all the education you have given them. The whites have been laid off over the past 28 years, and um, uh, when they find themselves in a in a pit, 
they import Cubans to come and do the ah. work, and the Cubans, of course, mess up more than they right. passed it. What is absolutely amazing is with um, Afrikaans doctors having to go and work overseas in order to survive because they are laid off as uh, senior doctors in hospitals, etc., and they become redundant. They become yes. unemployable. Yes. So they go overseas and they uh, they they perform miracles overseas in terms of their medical medical uh, practicing, and then yeah. they are getting replaced with doctors from Cuba, right? Doctors from yeah, the enlightened ones, <laughs> right? Doctors from Syria, doctors from. Uh, um, from from um, uh, yeah, Madagascar, <laughs> right, from right, Pakistan and, and and Eastern Europe. They yeah. Uh, so it, but it's absolutely ridiculous because you can imagine um, doctors that that practice the the um, they practice in, for example, tropical Cuba have very or no experience of diseases that are. Uh, common to South Africa. Right. Totally different so, uh, environment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Total different environments and also yeah. different languages. So how does a a person relate his his, his condition to his yeah. or to a doctor that doesn't even speak English? On the job training. <laughs> right? Oops. Absolutely. Another another one bites the dust, right? Okay, we're almost exactly. out of time. So, uh, why don't you just read this one line about him seeing a snake? Yes. Uh, let's see how far I'll get within the... At that time, he told a very good friend of his, Mr. Boy Musman, who lived in Freiburg, the following, there will come a time when I will, um, you know, it was, uh, will be plowed under. I was talking about the will be plowed under. Yes. This is the beginning of the third world war. Everything will be in disorder and confusion will reign. Tell me about then it. I, yeah. Then I saw a snake lying on the plowed land. I could not see its head or tail. Nobody will know for certain where this war will begin or where it will end. Everything in the churches will also be wrong. I saw my daughter Anna sitting seated and writing. Then I knew nobody would be able to make head or tail of my visions for one more say. <laughs> Nicholas van Rensburg said this and another will argue and say, no, he said this. Right. Obviously, Very good. This vision, yes. Absolutely yeah. true. And they will not be able to make head or tail. Okay, we are out of time. This will, we'll pick this up next week. This is getting very interesting. Okay? So, yes. thank you, Pastor Martins, for narrating. Thank you all for listening. Uh, I think we got a pretty good idea when and where this war has started. It's all over the world, folks. And it's, it's called all COVID. World. It's all cool. Yeah, very good. Okay, thank you, Pastor Martins. Thank you all for listening. Praise Yahweh. Pass the ammunition. See you all next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Yahweh. Praise Yahweh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.